0: I just wanted to start this off and just talk to you guys a little bit about this concept that i've been having and there are some things that you're so passionate about that it wakes you up very early and i am up very early this morning it's a sunday february 14th it's valentine's day so this will be my love letter to the world um what i'm doing is basically just working through A concept that is that has two working titles it's basically called killing the diet industry or this is not a book about fat loss and what I am actually talking about I've got some notes that I'm trying to follow here and occasionally you'll see me you'll see me sip a cup of coffee or or hear me drink a cup of coffee as we kind of run through some of this stuff But basically what I am trying to point out is that within the next five to 10 years, the diet industry is going to fundamentally change. And what I think will become very clear in that time is that we started that at Eat to Perform. It's not that the concepts of eat to perform are foreign to the exercise physiology world or the strength and training world or or anything like that because people have known that to you know get a good response from people you know and in their world people are athletes but i argue that we're we're all trying to thrive and get better so therefore we're all athletes I'm not certainly the first person to say that, but in 10 years, when the diet industry is on its last legs begging for forgiveness, I want it to be known that 60 people did that. And, you know, by that time, I'm sure we'll be much bigger, but what we've built at eat Reform has happened based on the passion of what is currently about 60 people and, and like i said you know we're growing at leaps and bounds and what's interesting about that is a lot of times when you're like publishing a book Or you're reaching out to publishers or something of that nature you almost have to kind of beg these people to kind of get your message out there and then you you still have to do all the work anyway Um, so it's it's sort of funny the difference being now that we have you know 1.5 million fans and every day our content gets consumed by roughly 5 million people so I can just sit here on this mic drinking coffee Um, I'm hoping not to curse too much, but occasionally some concepts require more passion and you show passion with words. And so occasionally those types of things will slip out because it's the best way to tell the story. What's interesting about Eat to Perform is that when we first started off, the first video I actually, you know, it's it's Valentine's Day. Um, two days ago was actually when Eat to Form first started, which was uh, February twelfth. The first video I ever put up was a well-known athlete named Neil Maddox, and he was eating a donut post workout. And at that time, there was a lot of conversation about clean eating and you know making sure that people were eating a lot of meats and veggies with very little starches and this video stood in contrast of that and uh, it was something that you know I was figuring out and and I wanted to put it out there but what was funny about it is is that as I put it out there you know, I didn't really know who was gonna show up. I mean, I had no idea at all. And uh, when I first started writing the blog, I was writing it with uh, a friend of mine who I asked to help me edit it because frankly, my writing's not all that great. Um, the, the other thing I love about this format, and I like reading or consuming audiobooks in general and podcasts, is because you can hear the person's excitement as they talk and you can't always hear that or feel that when you're, you're reading a book and so in that way I think this format kind of sets up really well and so remember when I told you guys I'm gonna drink coffee along the way here I go so give me one second so when I first started talking what I was trying to say is is that you can't just eat chicken and kale and then, boom! Magically, you reach your fat loss goals. I basically spent about three years, kind of refining the approach that we take now. And every single day, we we get better. With you know, the thing about businesses like ours, you know, we, we sort of refer to it as a science lab because, you know, well, one, we have. PhDs and dietitians and you know all these really smart people on our staff but it's an evolving thing because you know there's the research and trying to take an evidence based approach and then there's you know talking about that research in a way that people can consume it you know and where it matters to people but when people ask me about you know, my particular journey and need to perform is not about just my journey. Like I said, you know, I mean, the people that come to mind are, you know, James Barnum and April Blackford and, you know, all these, these folks, um, that, that started and, and then, you, you know, Kim Christensen and, you know, all the people that showed up afterwards, um, and I'm leaving, you know, a ton of people out. And I don't mean to do that, but I, I just think about, you know, the progression of, of who we are and, and how we became this um, it is pretty interesting. And the reason, well, one, the people that showed up were women. And that sort of surprised me because, obviously, as you could probably tell, you know, at the time I, I was... uh 44 I am 47 now and what I was saying was that and and I was kind of highlighting that I was eating 4,000 calories a day and I was losing weight and what's interesting about that is people will often say well yeah you were eating at a deficit for what you do and You know, the science on that's kind of interesting because it sort of depends on how you you view a deficit, but I probably do agree with those folks um, because there was a lot of adaptation that was happening and I was getting better along the way. And so, um, you know, very quickly, I'd say within six months, I adjusted to the stimulus and and had to lower my calories to to 3000 and you know that phase of you know my eat to perform journey you know as i'm saying this you know the one thing that's occurring to me that i think is a founding principle on eat to perform is that the you know, 15-day resets and the detoxes and the 30 days this and the two months that, you know, when I look back at, at this and when I think that a lot of the, the staff, you know, looks back at this, we think of it in, in years and months. And, you know, this little period was, you know, when my um, marathon time you know, went down to whatever. And, and as I'm saying, marathon time or talking about squatting or something like that, you know, you always get kind of scared that someone's going to hear that and they're going to go, that's, that's not me, you know, and, and then they leave and you don't have a chance to, to just explain to them, how their body works and, and why, you know, eating, you know, an appropriate amount for what you do is a very important part of being, being a human being. And so I wanted to kind of start that process or start that conversation by talking to why when all these, you know, 30 to 50 year old women showed up at my site, I was able to talk to them and i was able to calm them down because when we put up that donut video and subsequent cinnamon roll challenge within probably a week of the the site starting there was a lot of people intrigued and a lot of people took me up on the cinnamon roll challenge and i'll talk a little bit about that you know here in a second but there was also a lot of people that were panicked because I was saying that you could eat sugar responsibly and that you could eat inadequate amount of food. And, and at that time, you know, the idea that you could eat starches and carbs was like, oh, wow, you know, that's crazy. And so um, but when I first started off and we had all these women that showed up because I was talking about fat loss and eating an adequate amount for what you do and 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 part of that, you know, reflects your metabolism. I was able to have those conversations with women very subtly and very delicately. When it first started off, we had one basic principle. And the basic principle was that we weren't going to be negative and if you remember 2012 internet there was all these social media companies and all of them were saying you have to be controversial you have to you know put your flag in the ground and and stake your claim and part of having that flag in the ground kind of resulted in kind of this controversial stance and and you were constantly fighting with people that disagreed with you. And what I was simply saying was that we're an editorial and, you know, we were bringing scientific ideas that were founded in research. And, you know, we, we first started off, we were reciting a lot of the studies that We were basing the information off of the studies that, you know, I had spent the last three years kind of finding and, you know, and sort of evolving those ideas along the way. I do, I do consider my journey the the eight to ten years um, from from this day. So roughly, you know, started off about when I was thirty nine. Um. You know, it's 2016, so, you know, that would have been 2007, 2008. And people go, well, I've seen pictures of you. You know, one of the things about the internet is that you can you can look back to 2007, 2008, Paul, um, especially since I was fairly high profile in the poker world. There was a lot of pictures of me. Um heavy and skinny and 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 you know going back and forth with my weight because at that point i was sort of struggling and 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 one of the things that kind of got me to the place that i am now is the idea that i was just too smart to be fat if i could you know play poker and take money from the most intelligent people on the planet certainly i should be able to Um, solve why I you know was carrying excessive fat on my body and what's interesting about that idea more than anything is that it seems very simple and and you know we'll we'll talk about kind of people's relationship with food and all these different concepts that really is what makes up you know each perform and, and the ideas that we're talking about because when we talk about this is not a book about fat loss I mean it is a little bit of a book about fat loss but it's mostly a book of enlightenment you know and and kind of breaking through the clutter of what it takes to be a thriving human being and and when you approach things from being a thriving human being how that just fundamentally cover colors your your journey and so when all these you know women and I remember them so vividly um, were coming at me and talking about sugar addiction I would calmly say to all of them you don't have sugar addiction you likely have energy addiction you aren't eating enough for what you do And so you're constantly craving food and you're constantly, you know, eating in a way that's contrary to good sleep patterns and good stress, you know, signaling and and all these things. But I was able to talk to these women because of my grandmother and my grandmother is one of the most powerful people in my life. You know, I have two girls um that are teenagers right now here in you know 2016 and I I wanted girls you know when when we had girls I was I was thrilled because my grandmother was so powerful in my life and I know how powerful women can be You know for men and and you know how they can help us become the best versions of who we are you know inside and and in the process of of having a really strong female role model in my life you know i met my wife who's a really strong person and you know she is really You know, a great example, she's, you know, I mean, it sounds weird, but, you know, there's a lot of my grandmother and and my wife. And, you know, in the process of our relationship, I've built my, you know, my wife up. She's built me up. And that's a founding principle of of what we do at Eat to Perform is, you know, we weren't going to be negative because, you know, that's not how a garden grows. You know, um, you know, I was watching a movie yesterday and, and it talked about um, why aren't you talking about the negativity? Um, and the guy said, he says, it's my job to show you the flowers, not the weeds. And that was so such a profound thing to say, because it's it's really something that that I believe strongly that. You know I surround myself with people that are positive and I didn't want you know to have a discussion with a bunch of people that wanted to talk about dogmatic and, and rigid belief systems where the only way you could succeed was by never failing because I believed the exact opposite I believed that you know the way that you get to a success point as it relates to, um, you know, a, a fat loss journey or just becoming a better human being is by failure. And that failure lights the path. And so my grandmother had one bad trait <laughs> um, looking back. And um, other than the fact that she loved me so dearly that Occasionally, she would ignore some of the some of the bad things that I did and didn't hold me accountable the way that she probably should have. Um, but there was some positivity to that as well. But my grandmother was a chronic under eater, and I'll I'll put the picture up in my in, of my grandmother in the show notes for this chapter, um, which is basically going to be the introduction. And you're going to see that, you know, my grandmother was, was you know, a curvy gal. She was, you know, she was a, a, a bigger woman. Um, you know, I think that she probably you know, did fall in the obese scale, especially later in her life. Um, but in the picture that you're going to see, you're going to see, you know, a woman in her mid-40s that basically just lost her way and just got confused by all the messages of the emerging diet industry at that point. I think that we all look at the diet industry and and, and think that, you know, it's been around forever. It, it hasn't, you know, Weight Watchers started, I believe in 1968, um, the zone was like mid 1970s and all of those were supposed to be easy answers for calorie consumption and the idea being that you know calories in calories out mattered a great deal and I agree that calories in calories out does matter but the way that they were describing it was down 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 was the answer and ultimately that's left us with an obesity epidemic much less capable in that process and you know it's just not not been a good thing Um, I'll end this chapter with kinda the basic idea that we base a lot of stuff on and we talk about a lot and you'll hear you know my discussions with Dr. Tracy Mann um, Dr. Stephen Blair um, I'm just trying to think of, you know, just the litany of people other than the the doctors that we have on staff. But all of them reference this one study because it was so fundamental to really point out that, that we went wrong, you know, right around that, you know, 1960s part. And, and Weight Watchers is a billion-dollar company, and so, you know, I mean, they're going to be, um, you know, seen as kind of a, a big evil here. Um, I mean, just between, you know, you, me, and the five other million people that'll listen to this within the next two days, you know, I don't consider Weight Watchers a bad or evil company. I think that You know, they're trying to do good based on the the limited concepts and ideas that they have as it relates to food. But one of the things that I tell my staff, you know, is for us to win, you know, people like Weight Watchers need to lose and 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 all the big brands you know slim fast and you know all the detoxes and the ab people and really even the extreme exercise folks you know um you know if you look at something like you know p90x as an example these these people you know they'll often give nutrition advice based on very simplistic ideas i mean you know could you make an argument for meats and veggies? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I mean, unless you're kind of vegetarian, which is, you know, probably an idea that'll come up in in the book. Because we we don't distinguish between, you know, meat eaters and non-meat eaters. We, we just distinguish between are you eating an adequate amount of food for what you do? And certainly if you are eating an adequate amount for what you do, and you're constantly improving what you do, you know, getting your, your protein from plants um, is as good, if not better, you know, for a lot of people just based on, you know, their allergies or, or whatever. And so, you know, we don't have kind of like this, you know, negative stance as it relates to getting, you know, energy from plants. And the study that I'm going to talk about is the Minnesota starvation study. It. And I talk about it a lot. So, I, you know, I apologize that this is a little redundant for some of you guys. But, you know, it's new for a lot of people. And when, you know, it was, it was right around World War II. Actually, World War II was going on at the time. And these were men. I believe all of them from were from the Midwest and you know it's called the Minnesota starvation study was done by um, a doctor named Ansel Keys at the University of Minnesota and these men weren't able to go into the service for one reason or another And, and many of them were you know as you probably imagine you know in 1940s Minnesota they were farmers they were active people or You know, in the case of, you know, a lot of the industrial age, um, Minnesota, Minneapolis was kind of a big, you know, factories and and meat packing. So you had these guys that had very active jobs. And so the study that they did and, and how it was laid out, is really something that can't be replicated because of the, the amount of harm that these guys agreed that these doctors could put on them. But what's so interesting about the study where they starved these people was their baseline calories, and and, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. The baseline, I believe, was 3,700 calories calories a day and that's what they set these guys up before they started kind of the starvation period and what's interesting about the starvation period is that the lowest that they went to I believe the number was 1,562 calories a day and that should really hit home for a lot of people because 1562 stands in contrast to a lot of information that's been out there for years and essentially if you if you kind of think about what I'm going to talk about you'll kind of know that these two numbers will resonate in your head and the numbers are 1200 and 2000 basically 1200 for a deficit and then 2000 for maintenance. And, essentially, they starved these guys at just under 2,000 calories. And, you know, when you see the pictures, you know, from the show notes, what you're going to see is that, you know, they did starve these people. And, you know, in my conversation with Tracy Mann, which I'll I'll also add to the show notes, you know, she talked about. You know, and, and Stephen Blair talked about, and you know, I'll, I'll add his conversation as well. So you guys, you know, if you if you want to dig into some of these ideas, you can. But how these guys became obsessed with food, and how they they were thriving, you know, human beings, and and they started clipping recipes, and 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 it really reflects you know, dieting culture today, right? Where where people are so obsessed about food and so obsessed about why they have cravings and things like that. And just the, the mental aspect of how dieting tears you down and, and that the more that you diet, the less of a human being you become. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you know, some days you wouldn't be in a bit of a deficit, and some days you might be in a little bit of a surplus, but the way that we think about food in general is pretty unscientific, and, you know, we try and bring you guys the science on a daily basis, but there's some basic information that once I started doing my research and and talking about, you know, um, how much food that you know active people should eat I mean I was eating 3000 calories in the beginning and my choices weren't phenomenal I mean I remember very vividly thinking of all the foods that I would not give up that I no longer eat because I just progressively moved my way of eating to kind of like this more enlightened approach. And you know, my bagels and cream cheese with coffee and cream and sugar, just at a certain point, you know, you realize that you're just wasting a thousand calories a day. And 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 those thousand calories, you could have more food that adds more to your system. And if you want to call that whole foods you can, you know, but and, and and make no mistake about it. I mean I eat a lot of meats and veggies, but I think some of the dogma related to meats and veggies is overdone. And and you know, the the idea that those things are magical is is not magical. And so if I were to listen to the two thousand calorie recommendation that was been out there for so long, um I would you know, have, have struggled like I did, you know, all the years previous, you know, well, this isn't my first diet rodeo. You know, I started really kind of getting smart about, um, or becoming more aware that I just wasn't aware. Right. And, you know, in that process, you know, uh, you know, that 1200 to 2000 calorie range where you're basically just starving yourself Um, and, and you don't want to do anything that was my grandmother's problem right she she was under eating and so you know my grandmother was sort of known for just like sitting around this kitchen table and not doing very much and and ultimately she just rotted away because she allowed her metabolism to just get crushed you know by all of this diet information and and you know, in in my way of thinking, you know, dieting killed my grandmother. You know, and and I think that that's important to say because, you know, when you don't eat an adequate amount for what you do, you don't feel like doing anything, and you certainly aren't going to squat, and you're not going to deadlift, and you're not going to climb hills, and you're not going to roll in the grass with your kids, and. And all those things are important and I think that, you know, for myself when, when, you know, dieting was dominating my life for a while there, you know, I was becoming less of a father, you know, for men, you know, it robs us of testosterone, the fact that, you know, so many 40 year old men are turning to Viagra um, and, and you know, or getting tested for low testosterone, this is not lost on me, you know, um, that, w- that was a part of my journey. I mean, not the Viagra part, but just, you know, not, you know, loss of libido as it relates to under eating was, was kind of a big thing. And, you know, once I started eating an adequate meal for what I do, it, it sort of changed everything and it changed my relationship with my wife, you know, um, and you know, well, that'll probably, you know, it's sort of a theme with me. But you know, I just believe that as human beings, like we're in a fight every single day of our life to to stay alive, and and you know, it's hard to want to be in that fight when you're also under eating and you're underfed and you don't feel like doing anything because you know you believe or at least you're being told that that's the way that you have to do it and i'm sitting here telling you right now and i will end this chapter on this note that that's not the way to do it the way to do it is to eat an adequate amount for what you're doing most of the time and then continuously working on getting better as a human being it doesn't mean that you know you know as a female you need to Put 400 pounds on your back and sit down and get up but it does mean that you know you have to provide yourself enough energy to get through the day and to sleep well and to rest and recover and so that that'll be a a lot of the the aspects that we're gonna break down throughout the course of this book anyway I appreciate everybody listening if you're interested in signing up for eat to perform Obviously, I'd love it if you did that. Uh, There's always a link at the top of the site where you can join at a relatively inexpensive price and, and work with all of our coaches, get meal planning templates, all that cool stuff. So appreciate everybody listening. This chapter went a little bit long, but we had a lot to cover. So I appreciate everybody hanging in there with me. Talk to you later.